Hey everybody and welcome to GASH. My name is Gloria Walker and I am your host in this podcast where I talk to really rad ladies about really rad ladies. Today I have with me my friend Tessa Morrison who is a fiber artist, a TV personality, and outreach director for Austin <laughs> Other Worlds Austin Sci-Fi Film Festival. You got it. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Um, yeah, so with Other Worlds Austin, I basically uh, help put on events and just basically what the uh, job description sounds like, outreach. I reach out to people and say, hey, we have this thing going on. It's really awesome. You should check it out, which I was kind of doing before they officially asked me, hey, could you do this job? Yeah. So like, is it like mostly like social media? Or are you actually like one-on-one, like talking to people? I usually go to events and represent the festival. Okay. And I will host events. Um, by the time this is aired, we would have already had a booth at Thinkery, which is a children's science museum, and they have Thinkery 21, which is like adults only night. Mm-hmm. They make cocktails, and various groups have like little activities and shit you can do. It's really awesome. It makes for a really good date night. People people make a night an evening. Of yeah, it. I really like the Thinkery 21 events. I actually. Um, went to one of those once that was uh it was like cricket pairings with like different local beers because I like I guess there's like a bunch of different people in town that do like alternate protein um where you like eat crickets yeah the whole the whole insect protein uh fad is really picking up and just like the amount of water to poundage of protein that it yields versus like say beef is exorbitant and Mm -hmm. I actually wrote an article about this for Strange Kids Club which is a website and a magazine that I used to write for a bit more prominently but it's called entomophagy phagy I can never remember if I'm pronouncing wait say that one more time entomophagy entomo so like entomology yes and it's to the eating of bugs okay that's really cool um they weren't bad like I enjoyed it, <laughs> so um, maybe someday we will move to, you know, when we in, like, our alternate, like, post-apocalyptic future, I will be prepared to eat bugs. Be totally okay with it. I, I can't eat bugs if it's, like, obviously, like, a whole bug, like, on a slice of pizza, which they had in an event I went to one time. I was like, nope, I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> not there yet. But if you grind it up into a flour and you make crackers out of it and you throw some rosemary in it, sure, let's do this. Well, yeah, as long as I can't tell what it is. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I can handle uh, that. But, yeah, I... Uh, I really do enjoy working with Other Worlds Austin. Um, this film festival is, we're, we're very inclusive, not exclusive, uh, <laughs> and very welcoming of everybody and anyone. And we recently started accepting submissions to the film festival a couple days ago. So if you're a filmmaker, you have a friend who's a filmmaker, we are accepting um, short feature length and fan films. Um, in the horror and sci-fi genre. so we Yeah, so y'all just opened up to the horror genre, Yeah, right? Because as, as uh, many of my friends and I have discussed, is those aren't mutually exclusive genres. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap, like with Alien or The Thing or Event Horizon. Yep. There's a huge overlap when it comes to horror and sci-fi, and a lot of that is because... Like, the point of science fiction is it's, like, things that we don't understand, you know? So, like, anything could be out there. It's it's true. Uh, speaking of Event Horizon, we actually had, uh, we got permission from Paramount Pictures last year to do the, I want to say, 25th anniversary screening of the film. And we had the writer, Philip Eisner, in the house, and he did a Q&A, and he also did a special presentation 
at the Austin School of Film that was free and open to the public. So even if you don't get a badge, we have events that sometimes you can still get into. So it's definitely uh, worth looking into and getting on our email list on uh, otherworldsaustin.com. You can sign up there somewhere. Um, or follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're on all the platforms. So where do most of the events happen? We are stationed out of Flick's Brewhouse up in Round Rock. Okay, yeah. And um, they are one of those sit and eat and drink beer type of places, uh, cinemas. And they are also a brewery, so they make their beers there. And sometimes mm-hmm. they'll do fun pairings and like make themed beers for different movies and stuff. So That's awesome. It's really fun when they do So I things. know that like I've been in the film scene here in Austin for a while. And I know that a lot of like, especially with sci-fi, it seems to be very male-driven. Um, there's a lot of, it, it's, it tends to be like dominated by males. Is it the same way with the festival? Like when you look at like leadership positions, is it mostly male? Our, our programming team and just our whole crew is pretty much 50-50 split. Oh, that's great. Women. So it's, we're pretty well representing both genders on our team. Um, also at the festival, we have something called the Mary Shelley Award, which is an award that goes out to an outstanding female in the sci-fi genre, whether it's a writer, producer, actress, director, what have you. Oh, that's great. So it's like one award that you give out to an outstanding female. Yes. That's awesome. Do you do you know off the top of your head people that have won it in the past? Oh, you're quizzing me. <laughs> um, I'm really bad with It's names. okay if you don't. It's fine. That's great. Yeah, so um, they can find Otherworlds Austin on Facebook, otherworldsaustin.com. Yes. Uh, Twitter and all those things. And then if somebody was interested in buying a badge, when should they be on the lookout for those to go on sale? Uh, last year they went on sale August 1st, so I would say around the same time. As okay, was going yeah. Sale. So keep your eyes peeled in August. You're definitely going to want to go to this. They have a lot of really cool events. If you have a movie out there, which I know a lot of my friends do, and if you're my friend, you should be listening to this podcast right now, definitely submit your, your film to the festival. Um, because it sounds like it's a really great environment for makers and artists and women in general. So, so then like moving on, like tell me about your fiber art and kind of how you got into it. So with the fiber art, when I was in college, I started making gifts for friends for Christmas uh, because I was broke. Weren't <laughs> we all? Yeah, I had a bunch of this fabric laying around and, you know, uh, would cut up pillows or whatever and like take stuffing and just real ghetto. Um, I would make these stuffed animals of like, various video game characters for friends. And I was like, you know what? It'd be really easy just to turn these into puppets too. And just mm-hmm. like make it hollow. And I watched a lot of Jim Henson. And my favorite show growing up was um, Movie Magic. And so they always showed how they made all those like animatronics yeah. and Muppets and this, that, and the other. So I was just like, oh, that'd be super easy. Just take that jump. And so I just started making puppets. And you've actually, I mean, you're really, really good at it. And you have work in Guzu Gallery a lot, I've noticed. Yep. Can you tell me a little bit about your achievements with that and like what you are most proud of with your fiber art? I did Stripe from Gremlins and a Hellboy and um, with the Hellboy piece it was in an official like Guillermo del Toro show at Gallery 1988. Wow. Um, and it was, um, it was called like Of Monsters like with Guillermo del Toro and he actually, it was curated by Shogren. And Guillermo actually showed up, and he was really friendly. He was super nice and easy to talk to. And he would came, he came up to me. He's like, "Are you one of the artists?" And I was like, "Yes." And he's like, 
can I, can I get my picture of your piece? And I was like, yes. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. <laughs> I didn't even have to ask. You was just like, okay. I was like, let's do this. Because <laughs> you were, like, standing next to your piece. Yeah. I, wow. It was, uh, it was really That's fun. awesome. Were you, like, totally fangirling? Uh, I was cheesing real hard. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the curators was in the background, and he was also, like, photobombing cheesing so hard. <laughs> like, he had a shit-eating grin. It was hilarious. I mean, how many chances do you get to, like... Props out to Gary. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Gary. But then also just, like, like how often do you get to, like, meet the person who inspired your creation, and then they come to you and ask for a picture? Like, that doesn't happen all the time. I know. I was just like, fine. It's going to be fine. I'm just, like, <laughs> just bouncing the rest of the evening. It's like a little hop in your step. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And I also, weren't you in a Wes Anderson book or something like that yeah that was through spoke art they joined forces with abrams publishing and they did like the third official wes anderson art show book called bad dads um thusly named because all the wes anderson book like movies basically have like a poor father figure for the most part pretty poor father yeah yeah except for rushmore that kid's dad was cool. He was a barber. He was just ashamed of him. But yeah. Bill Murray's dad wasn't so great. So yeah, yeah. still falls under the category of, of bad dad. Um, and so uh, I made a piece. I made the Steve Zissou from The Life Aquatic. I made a hand and rod puppet, um, much in the style of a Muppet-style puppet, but that's I can't call it that. Um, but he sold, like, opening night to actually, I think... I don't know if I should out clients. It's probably not a good idea. Anyways, it was another gallery owner that eventually, like, invited me to their show, like, at their gallery. So that was really cool. Um, But the Wes Anderson art book had an introduction by um, Wes Anderson, so that was pretty cool. That's really awesome. So I was like, I got published. (laughs) Ha-ha! So what are you working on right now? Um, Right now I'm just repairing a piece to sell to a client, and then, I don't know, I might do some personal pieces just for me. You know, yeah. Um, I was thinking about making some uh, caricature puppets of some people, um, possibly working on music videos. I've been really wanting to like delve into doing music videos because all these puppets I make for um, pop culture art shows are just getting hung on a wall and they're not animated. And I feel like there's something that they don't get to live up to their full potential. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want people to stop inviting me to art shows. I still very much enjoy it, but I also think it's fun to see them in action. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what they were born for. They were born to be puppets. I just feel like Anyways, I don't and they get to like do a little. You can't see what I'm doing, audience. This is this is an audio medium. We're flapping, <laughs> but our I'm arms. flapping my arms around like a puppet. And I'm like, burp, 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 burp. that's awesome. I, I really like everything I've seen you do ever. I've been I've really loved it. I know that uh, I actually ran into you at the uh, Fragile Rock show. Yes. Um, and you brought a puppet along with you as well. So, and that's like totally up your alley. So Fragile Rock is a emo band here in town. That is led by puppets. It's a puppet emo band. I heard about it and I was like, yep, I'm going to that. <laughs> it's so up your alley. I, so I, I took my Link puppet and I dressed him up like a hipster. <laughs> I, I knew t- that you brought one with you. <laughs> yeah, he was their first felty, their first puppet groupie. <laughs> and they were like, oh my god, we have a felty in the crowd. That's awesome. And I was like, woo! Yeah. <laughs> and I was like kind of heckling them. My puppet was heckling them a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. That show was crazy because it was, like, right after David Bowie died, and they mm-hmm. had that, like, 
they made like this giant, like literally like it was the size of like the height of the room, like David Bowie effigy that was yes. like roaming around. It was insane. It, it was, was like, so crazy. A stick with a face at the end and like two hands and some like cloth and stuff. It was, it was very like New Orleans style like parade. Um, sort yeah. of like puppet, large, large stick puppet. Yeah, it was great. One of the people from Fragile Rock is now my roommate. And well, we, there you go. We called the house, we call it like Puppet House or the Felt Flat. Or we've been <laughs> trying to come up with like a decent name for the, for, for our house. That's awesome. Well, I mean, y'all have similar interests. Yeah. So that works out pretty well. It's like, uh, there's so much glue sticks in this house. <laughs> like anyone's ever like, what do we do for a housewarming gift? I was like, just give us a shit ton of glue sticks. <laughs> always get used and like replacement hot glue guns they burn out all the time just like just, just bring it I, I'm writing that down right now so <laughs> Christmas, that I know Christmas more hot glue sticks for the future I'm bringing you hot glue sticks yep. and maybe another hot glue gun sure if I'm feeling very like money bags at the time oh man princess money bags <laughs> So you're also a um, TV host for an Austin Public Access show. It's uh, Ladies of Fandom, right? That is correct. So tell me a little bit about the show, like its format and, and everything. So when we originally started, it's been about a year ago, um, we were on live TV. It was like, it was very stressful. I mean, it was one thing, it was like my, not my first time on TV, but definitely uh, live. Mm-hmm. And so you get like... It's basically a ladies talk show format. There's four of us around a table and then we just kind of are set loose to talk. Like The View. Please don't make that comparison. (laughs) Okay, yes. Like The View, but they talk about comic books and cosplay instead of whatever they talk about on that show. Um, And uh, yeah, so we we talk about science, uh, STEM, literature. Um, We have guests come on the show and we interview them. We had uh, Amanda Allen, and she does um, self-defense classes. And she was getting ready to start a new class for cosplayers for all these conventions because harassment's been getting really bad at conventions. And there's this whole, like, cosplay isn't consent movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, like, teaching people about that and just being like, if you're wearing these type of shoes, you can, like, kick their like hit their instep like she's showing us a bunch of different moves depending on the shoes or props or a type of clothing you're wearing that's really cool that's like a totally different angle than I've ever like seen before it's like like being able to use the things that are a part of your cosplay yes that's awesome yeah she was like or if you have this like maybe if it's hollow you know it might not work so great like you know and maybe like think about that while you're building your costume <laughs> I think the convention uh, hall probably wouldn't appreciate it if your uh, weapons could actually be used thusly. I think that's that's why they tag them, um, <laughs> just in case. Uh, but yeah, so we we were live there for a while, and now we do pre-recorded episodes, and now we record like every other Thursday. We'll record like two episodes in an evening instead of going every Thursday and doing it live every yeah. week. It was getting to be it's getting to be a little bit much. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, like right now, I am front loading a bunch of episodes of Gash so that I can get them up. Um, and I want to drop a few of them at the same time. And I'm like looking at the next month of my life, like very excited because yeah. I get to talk to a lot of really cool ladies about like really cool stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, 
I don't know if I'm ever going to see my boyfriend. <laughs> Here's what my schedule looks like, babe. I've, re- I've replaced my boyfriend with, like, really strong, powerful women, which, honestly, I'm okay with. I'm sure he's okay with it. Too. He's subscribed, just so you know. It's fine. It's- oh, good. He's supportive. There you go. <laughs> I actually texted him the other day, like, two days ago, and I was like, you subscribed to my podcast, right? And he's like, I subscribed to it, like, two weeks ago. <laughs> Why would you think I wouldn't do that? I don't know why I underestimate people in my life. Um, but speaking of cosplay, you actually do a lot of cosplay. And and you did have, I don't know if you're still doing the Cosplay Jane or, or something it's, like it's that. It's called Cosplay uh, Cosplaying Jane. Um, the title of that has a funny story behind it, which I, I can talk about. Back in college, I was seeing someone who was not very nice. I won't name names, but um, they did that thing where they would like subtly put you down. Oh, negging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a bit of negging, and one of the things he told me was that I was a plain Jane, and so I decided to use it and turn it into my cosplay name into Cosplain Jane. Fuck yes. <laughs> turn that around, bitch. Yes. Yeah, flip that shit. And um, you do, I mean, like, I've, I've seen what you've posted, and, like, you do it so well. Like, I have, like, considered cosplaying before and just, like, given up. <laughs> Is, I, I mean, my favorite part is like making the props like people are like oh my god do you do all this sewing and stuff I'm like no no I don't necessarily like re uh re remake the wheel here you know I'll try and find like elements and and outfits that kind of work and then just kind of like add on top of that because God's in the details you know or yeah. whatever you subscribe to uh otherworldly wise is this uh, is it, devils is it, in the detail devils in the detail pans in the detail god I don't know whatever um but yeah, I like to make the props. I like to yeah. make weapons and various things and I don't know, accoutrements. Do you have a favorite that you've made? Um, I've got a couple. I really like the one that's based off of Apple from Turbo Kid, which is a mashup with Fallout. So she's Apple the Vault Dweller and she has a Pip Boy. <laughs> I made out of foam and it looked so cool when it was just like all white and real slick looking and then I painted it like all these cute like teal and pink and yellow and like the pink. apple colors yeah like very is very gem in the holograms kind of yeah I could see that yeah vibe going and I even it has like a slot in the back where I could actually pop my smartphone into it and there's like a Pip Boy app and I downloaded mm-hmm. it so I was able to actually use it like as a Pip Boy. Yeah, I remember um, when the most recent Fallout came out, they had like a limited number of Pip Boys you could buy. Oh yeah. That were like you could put the smartphone in it and use it. I didn't get one. I was very salty about that. <laughs> I really wanted one. I didn't get one, but apparently uh, Tessa can make one. Uh, yeah, I, I can I can make them out of foam. It takes a while. It's a lot of layering and a lot of gluing. Um, so that one was really fun. I have a tank girl that I'm really proud of because ever since I saw that movie in late middle school or early high school, I can't recall exactly when, I wanted to dress up as her so bad. I wanted to dress up like Tang Girl. And so I kind of leaned into more of the comic book version, and I made her helmet with the um, kangaroo on the front. I made a... Yeah, I saw the progress photos of that. It's, I, yeah, I sculpted the kangaroo dude with the cigarette sticking out of his mouth. Like, there was like a little headpiece on there. Um, but I got most of the clothing for that at Goodwill. Wow, Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. The suspenders and the white tank top, and then I took it home and I stenciled it um, with a sponge stencil. I didn't even like make a silk screen. I was like, oh fuck it, I'll just stencil it on here. And yeah, just do that real quick. Um, so yeah, I think the tank girl one and the apple, and then I really like the um, ash 
from uh, uh, Evil Dead, and I have the chainsaw arm that I made. Oh, yeah. And that's like, goes over my arm, but it's made out of, like, foam, and it's all very, like, safe and, like, you know. Convenient. It's not an actual chainsaw. No, no, no. There's, <laughs> no. there's no actual metal on it. It's, like, this janky thing that's made out of, like, cardboard and, um, uh, yeah, foam and zip ties and, like, a... a a hacksaw handle that I taped to the top, but it still comes across and everybody gets it. Yeah. Um, is it like super heavy? I guess not if it's just like foam. Nope. It's pretty, it's pretty lightweight. Uh, it's, it's good for like, I can use it as like a table kind of like turn it sideways. I can stick my beer on it and I stick <laughs> my arm kind of like level, like I'm a waiter or something. And there I just go. Like carry a bunch of stuff on it. Stylish and useful. Yeah. I, I like that one a lot. I did the makeup and did a dead eye ash one time it came out really good but i haven't been able to replicate it since because i can't wear latex are you allergic oh yeah oh no yeah that's probably like a downer for a cosplayer (laughs) there are options whenever i did that i used um wax and this like face wax it is horrible it's so gross and once you get warm and we're in texas so you sweat it starts melting it starts melting and when you clean it off at the end of the night it's like flesh colored peanut butter it's disgusting because nope. you put makeup on it too to like make it blend with your skin yeah and so i'm just like taking it off and it just looks like i'm just like ripping my skin off and it's... no <laughs> sorry no i don't like it i don't like it <laughs> no. no sir well thank you so much for coming on yeah, um, totally. we're gonna go to a break for a minute sure. and I'm going to try to get these people to subscribe to my podcast. Do it. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about another rabbit. Hey, everybody. It's me, Gloria Walker, your favorite podcast host. And I'm here in the break to give you all kinds of information, information that you need to know. Like, for instance, if you're interested in going to or submitting a film to Otherworld's Austin Film Festival, you can find that information at www.otherworldsaustin.com. I realize I don't need to say the www, but I was born in 1988, so I'm going to do what I want. So there you go. You can also find the Wes Anderson Bad Dads book that we talked about on Amazon, and I believe it has prime shipping, so go ahead and check that out. Also, if you're in Austin, I would definitely suggest taking your honey, your partner, or even just your friends to Guzu Gallery to check out all of the things that they have there. They always have really cool, nerdy artwork, and I think that you would really enjoy it. So, I mean, if you're listening to this, you're probably at least a little bit of a nerd, so go check it out. Fragile Rock, the emo puppet band that we mentioned, is actually having a show on March 5th at Cheer Up Charlie's, so go out there. Take a date. I'm just giving you all of the dating advice right now. Go to Guzu Gallery and then go see an emo puppet band and have a great time. Just trust me on this one. You can also find Ladies of Fandom on Austin Public Access or fanboytv.com. You can find it there. So go take a look, find it, look at it. Apparently it's not like The View. Don't take my word for that. I have no idea. And now I just want to say thank you guys so much for all of the support. I believe at this point, once this is dropped, we've hit, I'm like three listens away. So I'm pretty sure that I'm going to hit 400 downloads in the last month, which is just amazing. And that's all because of you guys. And I am just so grateful for everything that everyone has done for me. Just if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe and rate the podcast. The more you rate it, the better rating I get. And the better rating I get, the more people get to see this cool gash content. So keep on rating, keep on subscribing. Tweet about it, Facebook about it, tell your friends about it. 
let's get it out there. That'd be awesome. And I'm just really excited about what I'm doing here. The next episode is going to drop on March 13th, featuring the AV Club's Katie Reif and one of my personal friends discussing badass Japanese action hero Meiko Kaji and the stylistic filmmaking goddess Anna Biller. You do not want to miss this one. Katie is just like an encyclopedia. She knows everything, and I just could not keep up, but I tried. So most of it's going to be her, but it's still good to listen to it, right? Right. Okay, well, I think I've talked enough for now, so I'm going to let you get back to the content. But don't forget to like, subscribe, tweet, and Facebook. Thanks. So as we do on Gash, I have rad ladies talk about rad ladies. And so just like for some background, what I do is I send out a form to all of my potential guests for them to fill out and let me know which ladies inspire them. Um, and you mean tell I gotta me. do paperwork before I come out here? <laughs> well, I mean, we can't just come up and like fart into the microphone. Like we have to have That's a That's a different podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to make fart jokes either way, but... Um, but I, I found it really interesting because, um, I feel really bad, but I vetoed, Tessa wanted to talk about her mom. Um, and I just felt like maybe Mom-mommy. something, <laughs> Mommy. we all love our mom. Well, we don't all love our moms. <laughs> like it, some people don't. And that's totally valid. Don't speak for everyone. Boy. You're right. You're right. I loved my mom. Um, but I, I wanted to make sure that we talked about somebody that was, uh, universally somebody that people knew, but, uh, tell me about, why did you want to talk about your mom? Um. Because my mom is awesome. Um, she very much like me and the person that we picked today uh, speaks her mind and doesn't take crap from nobody, not no way, not no hows. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Growing up, uh, she used to always make my Halloween costume every year. I think only one year I had to wear a store-bought costume. Um, probably where my love of cosplay comes from. So I can definitely see that um, yeah. feeding into your love obsession (laughs) yeah and my dad was like a mr fix it and he also built things all the time but anyway so i won't get into all that but in fifth grade my mom made me a costume just based off of an action figure in a cartoon show there was no patterns available i think for this costume at the time uh she just winged it pun intended because i was demona from gargoyles yes yes. i fucking loved gargoyles (laughs) oh my god yeah and I actually met, was it Keith David? David Keith? I always get the name flipped. God damn it. There, um, it's two first names. You're not to blame for that. <laughs> well, the guy who did the voice of Goliath. Anyways, he was at a, a horror convention I went to a while back. Uh, Frightmare. Texas Frightmare Weekend. Anyways, so she made my um, Demona costume replete with wings and like blue bodysuit with clawed hands and a crown and a red wig. And... Um, she showed up. She surprised me dressed as Lisa Mazda uh, with the black wig and the red blazer and the badge. And I recognized the character before I recognized it was actually her. I was like, oh, Lisa Mazda? Wait, Mom? You're Lisa Mazda? Shit. Do we have to fight now in the parking lot? In my, oh, my God. In my elementary school? That's crazy. That's like above and beyond Mom. Like, oh, yeah. Like, my my mom, I mean, she helped me with so many things, but I couldn't imagine her, like, getting into her own cosplay, you know? Like, 
That's crazy. Um, and to keep a secret from me, too. Yeah, absolutely. What, did you have, like, friends at school, like, how they reacted to it? I don't know if all of them watched it yet. I mean, I think some of them were like, oh, my God, you know, and got it. <laughs> but I think a, a large majority maybe weren't really hip to that cartoon quite yet. I don't know what season they were in or if they'd gotten to the weird Macbeth season. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it got a little weird there. Um, so, anyways, that was uh, meh. Meh, meh. Thanks, meh. And uh, if I was going to have a second mom, uh, the choice we had for this evening is Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Um, I honestly was very nervous about doing this episode because she is such a beloved person and she recently passed away. And so there's been a lot of media out there about her. So uh, I was very nervous about it, but I think that this is an episode that we definitely need to do. Um, and I'm happy that we're doing it sooner rather than later. So for anyone out there who has been living under a rock for the last 40 years, 30 years, Carrie Fisher is most well known for her role as Princess Leia in the Star Wars movie. movies. Later, she becomes General Leia, which is super badass and I think is very important. She's also was in movies like The Burbs. Um, and for me, one of the ones that uh, I remember most is she was a supporting character in When Harry Met Sally. She's a solid best friend in a lot of movies. I very much enjoyed her in Drop Dead Fred, um, the one movie where uh, Phoebe Cates has the imaginary friend who burns down Carrie Fisher's character's houseboat. She was so chill about it. She was chill about it. She was super fucking chill. I don't know how much insurance she had on that thing, but uh, yeah, she was still very supportive of her crazy, supposedly crazy friend. That's a really good best friend where you can like, like, like I, I can burn down your houseboat and also be like, have this like imaginary friend and you're still like, did oh, it. It, okay, I understand your, your invisible friend did it. Like. That's some very hardcore patience, and that's a very good best friend. The character I'm remembering from When Harry Met Sally, I still quote her. She plays one of Meg Ryan's characters, Sally's best friends, and she has like this penchant for dating married men. And so, you know, if, if you have if you've also been living under a rock and haven't seen When Harry Met Sally, it takes place uh, over a few decades of. Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal, Harry and Sally and Harry, the meeting, becoming friends, dating, breaking up. It goes through that whole thing. So over a few decades, uh, Carrie Fisher character and Meg Ryan's character talk about her dating uh, various married men. And Meg, is, Meg Ryan is always like, he's never going to leave her. And Carrie Fisher always says, you're right, you're right. I know you're right. And I'm not kidding. Like, I get that quote stuck in my head all the time and I've had situations where I've dated people that like wouldn't admit that we were dating or you know like you know like they were like we were together all the time but we weren't together and like I've had friends tell me like he's never going to make you his girlfriend and like I have legitimately said you're right you're right I know you're right and <laughs> it's just so true to life you know um that we like that you know that like Knowing that you're making the bad decision, but not being able to stop it is because it's just habit at this point. It's like this is just what she does. That's yeah, right yeah, exactly. Until she finds the right one. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Tessa and I both listened to um, Carrie Fisher's novel *Wishful Drinking* yep. to prepare for this episode, and there were some really interesting things. She didn't talk a whole lot about her career with *Star Wars*. She talked a lot about her relationship with her mother, which we will get into. 
But um, I think one of the best stories from that book is, so Carrie Fisher is, she was so, so beautiful. And like, honestly, you know, she, she was a fantasy for a lot of really nerdy boys for a long time. But even she still had these like self-esteem issues. Yeah. And she talks about how George Lucas, she walks out wearing this ridiculous hairstyle, which is, you know, the two buns. And she talks about how like, she always felt like she was fat and then she had this fat face and then she's like... George she Lu- didn't. And she didn't. She was so beautiful. And George Lucas was like, how do you like the hairstyle? And because she wanted to be a yes girl, she's just like, I love it. <laughs> but she hated it. She thought it made her face look really wide. And I just think that's so choice because it's like, we do that a lot as women because we're expected to like make people comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and we're expected to like go along with it and like be of service. And I think that's just like a perfect example of just being like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> just to, like keep my job. Yeah. And I mean, she was just like starting out. I mean, when she did that, she was like 19, I think turning 20. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think she felt like she had enough clouts to be able to like throw it around and be like, no, I fucking hate it. You know, like I'm yeah. sure later she would have, if she had been approached with this mm-hmm. hairstyle, she may have been like, um, let's maybe work on it a little bit. Yeah. And definitely if you listen to any or read any of her novels, like she is definitely a super outspoken person. Um, but I mean, she is the daughter of Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> like, so it's not like she came from nothing. No. Um, and I love the way that she talks about her relationship with her mother. They live next door to each other. They're besties. They're best friends. And it's really cute. It's adorable. And Debbie Reynolds, if you don't know, she was most well known for singing in the rain. But she was very much a golden age, glamorous actress. I mean, not was. She is. She's still alive. Isn't she? Yeah, she is. Pretty sure she passed away, like... Shortly before or after. I they, thought, they were, like, within days of each other. Oh, she passed away right after. Yeah. It was, like, like people were saying I'm she died of heartbreak. I'm that real quick. But, I knew she was alive when Carrie Fisher died. But it was... December 28th. Yeah. She, just, like, a few days later. Yeah. She died the day after. Yeah. It was pretty... Pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, but, okay. It's like so, for the feels. I was just like, oh, God. I'm not going to edit that out. I want our, our audience to know that I could be wrong sometimes. But um, she actually outlived her daughter by a day. And, and what they say, died of heartbreak. Um, but in I definitely recommend for anybody that can to read or listen to Wishful Drinking. Um, she talks a lot about her relationship with her mother, um, especially at a young age. Um, and one of the things she talks about that I found really interesting was how, you know, she would watch her mother, you know, bathe and get dressed and put on her makeup and her wigs and and become this other thing that was Debbie Reynolds. Um, and then she would watch her, you know, take off the wigs and the clothes and, and wash the makeup off her face and become her mother. And I think that's just a really a, a powerful statement about, um, you know, really just like we put on the role of whoever we are and especially as women we play the role of the mother or we play the role of of the girlfriend um it's like she's like she's putting on armor yeah absolutely um yeah it was really funny they were talking about how they probably spent more time with their parents like spent more time watching their parents on tv than actually spending time with them yeah also with the dad than the especially mom. with eddie yeah. fisher um, actually, uh, she, she tells this funny little tidbit about her, her brother is a born again Christian mm-hmm. and she says, 
Um, <laughs> what was it? God, I can't think of it now. Uh, of course, he was going to look for a father that he could talk to all the time. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Eddie Fisher, you know, he was gone a lot. You know, they, he was never there. He was so never he finds the, the dad that's supposedly ethereal and always around you He's, all the time. Yeah, omnipresent. Yes. So his dad's always around. Um, and uh, one of the things I love about Carrie Fisher is her sense of humor is just so unabashed. And she's just so open with being who she is. And she doesn't try to hide it. She's just kind of like, I, I think I'm kind of similar, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn in any way, but like, <laughs> no, not at all. But like, I, I make jokes about myself all the time, and I point out my own flaws, um, because I don't think that having flaws is a bad thing. No. Um, and, I, and I can laugh at myself. And if I can laugh at myself, anybody else can laugh at me, because then they're laughing with me, right? Yeah, they, I remember... Um... I watched the HBO documentary, was it Bright Lights? Yeah, so she basically confided in her dad that she decided to be funny for him. Like, she felt that she could never live up to her mother's looks. And so she's like, well, I have to cultivate something, so I'll be funny. And she did that so that she could kind of get her dad's attention. Be like, well, this is what I'm good at, you know. Yeah. Um, and then she she kind of confessed later in life, like, yeah, I did that for you, dad. I wanted you to be around more and stuff. It was really kind of sweet. And he's like, you, and he's like, you were always the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably pretty true, like, universally. Like, um, you know, I'm... I'm a fat girl or whatever. And I always was. Like, I've always been bigger than other people. And so I developed a personality, you know. Not saying that then people don't have personalities. But, you know, I really relied on my ability, my wit and my ability to make jokes and, like, be personable. Um, to re- And that really is what makes me who I am. I don't. I'm, I'm very petite, but I come from a, a similar background in a sense that kids are shitheads and they will make fun of you for anything that's true i was 90 pounds soaking wet in middle school and i got made maybe well then it was 70 pounds high school is 90 pounds but anyways i was tiny but i got made fun of that i had an eating disorder i was anorexic because that's fucking there's nothing fucking funny about eating disorders that's a serious thing. yeah like so they like well we can't make fun of tessa for being fat but hmm she's really skinny so let's go with that and then um I went, I think it was about seventh grade, I went from having the child button nose to this awesome majestic nose I have now, but at the time I was not too appreciative of it. Yeah. And kids are making fun of me, calling me Barbara Streisand and Pinocchio and all Barbara that. Barbara Streisand is gorgeous. I know, How right? is that an insult? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, like, yeah, we all have things, and so I was also very, like, I felt I was very gangly and weird looking. I'm real skinny with this big nose and just kind of awkward and two left feet. And so I was just like, you know, I've cultivated a sense of humor. And so it's just like, no matter what size you are, people are going to be assholes and, like, find something to pick on you about. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you. Yeah. Um, It's, you know, but I I think, and that's, I think, what I was getting at with Carrie Fisher is, like, Whenever you perceive yourself or you feel like you are less than in some way, you make up for it in another way. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, and uh, she was fucking beautiful. Like, I know. Get, I was like, what is her? Let's get real. <laughs> but, I mean, this is your best friend who is always saying, you know, oh, man, look at my thighs. Or, like, I, you know, you watch your best friend feel bad, like, talk bad about themselves. And you just want to just, like, shake them. them and, like, just shake them. <laughs> Really hard and be like, you're fucking beautiful. <laughs> That's how I feel about it every time I hear Carrie Fisher talk about, you know, how she felt like she wasn't beautiful. It's 
It's crazy. You can't you can't shake any sense in those people until they just come come around on their own. Yeah, I mean, and it's not it's a difficult journey to take that journey into expecting your accepting yourself, not yeah. expecting your, accepting yourself. Um, it is a difficult journey to take, and um, you know, I think a lot of people are forced into it because um, you know they are spent so much time being bullied and like all of that stuff that they just kind of are forced to accept themselves. And some people aren't. Some people, you know didn't spend their lives being bullied and they still need to learn how to accept themselves. Um, it's just a later, a later time in their lives. And I think it could be more difficult that way. But I mean, one of the things that comes with expect accepting, <laughs> one of the things that comes with accepting herself, um, is one of the things that I really love about Carrie Fisher the most is that, um, she was so open and honest with the world about, her mental health issues. She was bipolar too. She was manic depressive. She had um, alcohol and drug abuse problems. Um, and one of the things she talks about is how, you know, when she was younger, she was like, oh, well, I'm just an alcoholic, so I'll quit drinking. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then she quits drinking and she's like, well, I'm a drug addict, so I'll quit doing drugs and everything will be fine. She was using it to just cope. And yeah, and then yeah. she realizes later, like, after she does, like, get clean and, you know, she goes to rehab, she gets clean, it's not that she has a drug problem, it's that she was using drugs and, drugs and alcohol to kind of mask these other things that were going on with her, which is her bipolar 2 and her manic depression. And she chronicles her journey with therapists and psychologists, which I don't have any personal experience with, but I have seen many of my friends struggle with. And it is, like, definitely, like, one of those things where you can see, she talks about seeing one therapist for a, for a long time who never really diagnosed these things in her, and then later she goes to another one. It's really weird, like, when you go, I've been to therapy a couple times, and been to a couple different therapists, and when you go, sometimes they have to diagnose you with something, which I think is stupid. Like, it, depending on, like, what your health insurance is, like, when you go in, like, for them to continue seeing you, they have to diagnose you with something, which I think is such Or the insurance will cover it. Yeah. Anymore. And it's just so dumb. And so they label you with something, whether you have it or not, and you haven't even talked to them that long. Yeah. So I went in, and they asked me a couple questions, and they're like, okay, well, it sounds like you have anxiety disorder or whatever. And I was just a very um, hyper person. Yeah. Um, so I was seeing them for a while, and then I quit going because they were giving me, like, these weird assignments that made me think that they just weren't doing their job. They're just, like, writing a diary or a journal. I'm like, I already do that. And then, yeah. you know, I was like, you just don't want to listen to me talk, and you just want to read my diary so you don't have to do any work. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if that's the case, but I've never been a, a I, therapist. That, that one I wasn't too into. I went to one uh, more recently, and uh, I had had some issues um, but mostly I was just depressed because my grandma passed away like a couple days before my birthday. And so mm -hmm. it's like, there's a whole lot going on there, like emotionally, as far as like family and my own mortality. And yeah. And so it was really kind of heavy. And, you know, uh, for a while there, I was the only family in Austin that was checking in on her. I was basically like, left to my own devices and I wasn't emotionally equipped to deal with an elderly person with dementia and yeah. what that all entailed and it was just very straining so I went to go see a therapist because I was like okay I'm I'm depressed it took months to figure it out and go but you know yeah and that's that's just such an important journey and 
I think also just like, I mean, for me, like whenever I was like in high school, I was dealing with depression. Um, and, um, I kind of talked to my mom about it for a while and, you know, she's like, she was older school and she was like, you can't, if you're, you know, you're not depressed, like, just like go outside and, you know, you'll feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was convinced that if like I went to a therapist, like it would get on my like permanent record and like people would know my whole life that the neighbors would find out what would they think? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't more about that, but like she didn't, she didn't want it to be like something that like followed me for my entire life. Um, and I don't, I don't think that she was wrong for what she said. Like she was coming from a different place, but like we're, we're getting to, we're getting to a place in the world where we can be open and honest about, about our mental health. And like, you don't have to have anything, like you don't have to have a mental illness to want to go and see a therapist and just talk about stuff. Um, but it's okay to have mental illness too. Um, it's okay to be open about that. And I think Carrie Fisher did so much for so many people by being open and just so charismatic while she's telling the stories about, you know, her mental illnesses and how she dealt with those. I mean, one of, like, the biggest things that ever happened to her is she her best friend died in her bed with her. Yeah. Um, like, I couldn't imagine waking up and looking over and seeing my best friend dead. And it wasn't a sexual thing. It was, like, a gay guy best friend. Yeah, it was, there were not enough beds and somebody had to sleep, had to double up. And... It was an awards night and it's basically, like, the equivalent to... Like New Year's Eve, and everybody gets sloshed and just crashes at whoever's place they watch the awards at. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, it, it's nothing like that. But, um, but I mean, I mean, I share beds with I share a bed with my best friend all the time whenever I need somewhere to stay. So yeah. like, there's nothing weird about that. But like, waking up and, and turning around and seeing my best friend dead, like that would really fuck me up. <laughs> and I imagine that it fucked her up too. And and that was one of the moments whenever she you know, you know, how to deal with that. And, and I think she relapsed at that point yeah. for a little bit. Um, but I mean, who wouldn't, <laughs> I mean, if, so, if someone's going to make you relapse like that, that's probably it. Not gonna be it. So, I mean, I think that like, if we like think about Carrie Fisher and we really want to sum it up, I think that, um, she was a very strong and powerful woman. Um, she was very true to herself. Um, and she was so much more than princess Leia. Yeah, totally. I mean, she definitely brought, you know, female representation in sci-fi films, but she she did do much more beyond that. And just her contributions to removing the stigma from mental health is is high up on that list. And also just being like, like you said, being able to be yourself and also not holding on to the bitterness of you know, her childhood, and, and a lot of people could have maybe been angry with how much, you know, her parents weren't around or blamed them for putting her through, you know, what she went through as far as, like, in the film industry. She didn't, and she was still, like, best friends with her parents. Like, even at the end, she was still friends with them. Yeah. And so she was a very, like, forgiving person and not bitter. Even though she was really sarcastic, it didn't mean she's necessarily a bitter person. She's a very kind and giving person. Yeah. Um, so I think that just about wraps it up for us. For anyone who wants to know how to find you on the internet, how can they do that? Um, yeah, I have an Instagram at Tessa Morrison. That's all one word, lowercase. And I also have a Twitters, and I have a Behance profile. It's for my puppets. So it's going to be uh, Behance.com, and just plug in my name, Tessa Morrison. You'll be able to find me. Um, yeah, and don't you have Definitely check out her Behance. And as always, keep it rocking and rolling and whatnot. Whoop, whoop.